BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Scumbags! Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morenci. Rage all you want. Let's roll. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morenzi. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between throwing it down. Series XM Channel 159 Sports Grid Radio Networks. The Monday Night Meltdown has begun as the Golden State Warriors are one step closer to winning the NBA championship. Uh, game six goes down Thursday night in Boston. The Boston Celtics are three and a half point favorites right now. The total is 210. It was the Andrew Wiggins show uh, tonight. Once again, Andrew Wiggins, the best player on the floor, 104 9 the game stays under the number. And once again, we have another double-digit uh, victory in the NBA Finals. It was a strange game with a bunch of runs, which this series has been defined uh, by a bunch of solitary runs. Uh, the Boston Celtics started the basketball game 0 for 12 from three-point uh, territory. It was the most threes to start an NBA Finals game over the last 25 uh, years. And then eventually they actually broke the record. So the Celtics broke the record. I tell you what, Golden State weren't much better uh, tonight. And if you're Boston, uh, if you're Boston, this is kind of the, you know, you let them off the hook type of games where you're going to look back after you lose uh, this series, which I believe the Boston Celtics will lose this series. They're going to look back, and this is going to be the game, man. It's going to be the game. They're going to go, man, like, Really? Like, you know, like the, the Golden State Wars, there was a freaking lid on the basket, man. Like, if you're the Boston Celtics and you were told Steph Curry is going to be 0 for 9 from three-point territory, Andrew Wiggins is going to be 0 for 6. Seriously. Like, if, if you were a Boston backer and I told you before the game, but yeah, listen, Curry and Wiggins are going to be a combined 0 for 15 from three. And then I tell you that Draymond Green's going to go over his player prop, his point prop, like basically in the first quarter. I don't know how he did. Fortunately, he did go over with the rebounds as well. So we got the split uh, with Draymond. Uh, so we lose with the points. We hit uh, with the rebounds. Uh, but one of these games that the Boston Celtics really could have, should have, kind of, but not really. The Boston Celtics do not play well under pressure. Like we see this. Like, we see when the game gets real, they tighten up. And, I, you know, it's not just tighten up, but they start arguing with the refs. They, you know, they, they become unfocused. They take bad shots. They, they turn the ball over. 
and they just do it too much, and it's 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 not something that's suddenly going to change. It is what it is. And what we also know is that they have a hard time playing at home under you know with, with the pressure there. I said it before the game tonight. I said it before the series. The Golden State Warriors in six at plus 148 was a nice play, and I stand by it. Although, you know, the good thing about this is you didn't even have to play to 148. You can get it right now at uh, plus 136, as that's what the money line is for them to win on Thursday. I believe that the Golden State Warriors will beat the Boston Celtics again. And I believe that Steph, it's like, Steph Curry's not going 0 for 9, I'll tell you that, on Thursday. Night Anger Management Class. This is Sports Rage. The Monday Night Meltdown. This is the Late Night Anger Management Class. NBA Finals Edition. We're kicking it on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Shout out to all of our AM Radio affiliates, Series XM Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Radio uh, Network. So Andrew Wiggins, 26 points, 13 rebounds. It's the first time, it's the first time in his playoff career that he's led uh, both um, his team in points and at rebounds. Of course, the other night he had an M- he had his um, his his NBA career high, 16 rebounds in the game tonight. He follows it up. For the record, the prop was six and a half boards for Wiggins tonight. He clearly shattered that. He also went over his player prop uh, point total of 16 and a half rather easily. And it's pretty crazy to say, man. Uh, listen, Andrew Wiggins is not going to win the most valuable player. But it's getting to the point where you can start to make an argument for him. You can you can make a legitimate argument uh, for him. Look, he was he's been the best player on the floor. He's been pretty consistent, man. It's it's Curry, it's Curry, it's Curry. I get it, but the Andrew Wiggins stuff. Wow. Well, let's just say Andrew Wiggins scores 34 points or something and goes off off on on Thursday and just wraps things up. But you know, as the best player on the floor again. Like, wow. Andrew Wiggins is freaking balling the dagger dunk, playing defense. The rebounds are unbelievable. This guy's never rebounded like this in his life. Like, I got to tell you, if you're the Golden State Warriors, you are getting the best basketball of Andrew Wiggins' career at the best time. Like, seriously, he's playing the best games of his life. Like, if there's ever a time you want to have a career high in rebounds, it's in the NBA Finals. If it's ever a time you want to follow that up with a 26-13, and 13, it's in the NBA Finals, especially on a night when nobody could hit a shot. It was, like, historically bad. In fact, the Boston Celtics set a record for missing the most consecutive threes to start the game. But if you're the Boston Celtics and Steph Curry goes 0 for 9, Wiggins goes 0 for 6 from 3, and you still lose the game by double digits, and not to mention, uh, not, not to mention even the Boston Celtics, you actually took 16 more free throws than the Golden State Warriors did. Tony Brothers, this, whatever. Like, in a Boston fan, the referees. What the referees? You doubled their free throws. The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. Vent your rage. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... 
producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You are listening to Sports Rage Late Night with Gabe Marinci. The Late Night Anger Management Class, the Monday Night Meltdown. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenci. Sirius XM Channel 159. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates. We've got a full house. George Kurtz, Sports Grid Radio and Television Network will join us. Brent Sobleski uh, from the Bleacher Report. We'll talk NFL football with Brent. We'll talk NFL football with Rick Saratella. NFL Draft Bible SI.com because it's never a bad time to talk NFL football. Uh, don't forget we have the Stanley Cup Finals that begin on Wednesday, the NBA is off again for another 13 days because, you know, that's that's how they like to roll in the finals. Like, there's been there's been a lot of talk recently. You know, we're seeing it with Redick and McCollum and Stephen A. and Adam Silver talking about should should the season be shortened? Um, what you know? What what can be done? I'll tell you one thing: you got to do is you've got to fix your damn NBA final schedule, bro. That's what you've got to do. Like, you didn't have any basketball over the weekend. You had a game on Friday night, which is a weird, like, dead, soft zone for TV. People go out on Friday nights. Then there was nothing over the weekend. You got Monday. Now we're off again until Thursday. Like, for the love of God, man. Like, you know, like, you're not flying to Beirut here. Like, seriously. It's San Francisco to Boston. It's not that hard. You know, it's like, really. Oh, wow, you know, they're going coast to coast. So get on the damn plane right now. You'll be home in the morning, and you can play on Wednesday in Boston if you want it. You could, right? But, God, these players, oh, no, no, we need, we need more time off. More time off. So whatever. They're off until Thursday. It is what it is. But um, I do believe that this series is done right now. And I know it seems improbable in a sense that, oh, really, our boss is going to lose again? Yes. Yeah, they can. They will. In the same way that the Phoenix Suns did. When you hit the wall, you hit the wall. They've hit the wall. Like the Boston Celtics, basically, like if this is like Mount Everest, you know what I'm saying? Like they've, they've you know what I mean? They've gotten to like they have one of this. They're not at the, the top peak. They're one of the second to peak. And now they're starting to pass out and stuff. It's like, man, we're close. We can see, you know, we can see that red flag up there, man. And it's like, yeah, but everyone's going down, right? I don't know if we're going to make it. And they don't seem like they're going to make it. They don't seem to have that. I think, and it, listen, in a similar situation to the Edmonton Oilers, although the Boston Celtics are better than the Edmonton Oilers, but in a similar situation, when you watch the Oilers play, you're like, damn, this team's pretty good. But, man, do they need a goalie. Speaking of which, there's reports out of Anaheim that John Gibson wants out. Um, I'm like, damn, you need a goalie. When you watch the Celtics play, there's certain times, like tonight I was thinking, I'm like, as somebody with money on Golden State to win the series, I'm thinking, you know what? It's a good thing this team doesn't have a point guard. Like, if they, they don't have a point guard, that's a problem. They've gotten, I don't know how they've gotten away with it, to be honest, as you know, as this, this much. I get it's a modern NBA, and you can have different guys walk the ball up the court and stuff, and I get it. You know what I mean? A lot of teams are like, there's you know, the other traditional point guard isn't what it used to be anymore, but 
there are certain times in a game. You know what I mean? Like with with the with the Boston, you know, with the Boston Celtics, they don't have that when there's five minutes left and the game's getting crazy and stuff and it's getting really tense. They don't have that guy. It's like, give me the ball, and I'm going to calm everything down here. All right, just chill out. Give me the ball. I'm going to set this up. Right, just, you know, give me the ball. Right, they don't have that. And I'm not talking about a give me the ball and get out of my way score guy. I'm talking about a guy that can control the pace, control the tempo, can calm everybody down. Right, they get flustered. Marcus Smart's their primary ball handler, and he's too emotional to be a ball handler. Right? Like he's, I love Marcus Smart. I think he's a great player, but I don't think he should be a primary ball handler. And, you know, don't be, you know what I'm saying? Like, so he's their guy, kind of. And he's not a natural point guard, right? Like, point guard, point guard. Set Tatum up, set Brown up. You know what I mean? Calm people down. Beat a quarterback out there. They don't have a quarterback out there. They have a bunch of dudes, uh, Jalen Brown and Tatum, and Brown, Brown disappeared. And was missing easy shots. Tatum gets rattled and is too emotional as well. I think Tatum thinks too much. I think the guy analyzes things too much. That's my personal take. I think he's a micromanager in his head. I think I think he overthinks everything. I think he's too he's hard on himself, but I think he's then, you know what I mean? I just think he thinks too much and doesn't just play. I think with Tatum. I think and you can see that. You can see him thinking too much. Like the sick, you know what I mean? Like that's why they turn the ball over. Right? They just don't like play. Marcus Smart, like, plays, but he's not the best shooter. And you see, at times, man, it's like, whoa, bro. And he takes a shot, and he takes another shot. And, like, it's like, like I said, if I had Boston, I'd be like, oh, my God, dude, don't do that. Stop doing that. Right? Like, man, I'm listen, I think you need a point guard. At least, like, if you're Golden State. Listen, Curry didn't hit shots tonight, but at least they have someone they can pass the ball to. I'm talking about just someone you can pass the ball to that can dribble it for 20 seconds without turning it over. You know what I mean? Like, just stand there and call a play. Everybody calm down. How many times have you seen Boston run a set play? Like, never. You know what I mean? Like, they never have something where it's at the top of the key and they're calling, all right, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'll cut here, pick and roll this. It's very reactionary with them. And I think it's a problem. I, and I think it's the problem that's that's going to cost them the, the championship here. They don't have anybody on the floor to calm them down. Um, Horford sort of tries, but, you know what I mean? Like, he, it's, he can't contain them. And, and, you know, Marcus Smart's got to contain his emotion a little bit more. Draymond as well. Listen, Draymond did a nice job tonight. Draymond did a nice job of scoring early, getting his confidence back, and then it worked again. Like, listen, I would have probably teed him up. When I saw the highlight, it wasn't as bad, but it was pretty borderline with Draymond when there was a time that you couldn't really see it. I caught it right away when it was going on. When Tatum was Tatum had the ball and he was trying to walk to his bench and Draymond got in his way and was backpedaling in front of his face. And listen, I had money on Golden State, but I'm thinking I would tee this guy up. It's like, bro, you can't like impede the guy like walking to the bench here, all right? What do you want Tatum to do? Slap you in the face? Right? Like and then what? So that's what Draymond was trying to do. That's exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to get Tatum upset and Tatum was gonna push him or something. And Tatum didn't, but Tatum was just sort of soft about it. And then Draymond wins. 
right? Like, so Draymond, Draymond did have an impact tonight by being Draymond, and he was good offensively early. He scored a couple of points. There was a beautiful spin move that he pulled on Williams when he did the fake and then the dunk, right? And that got the building fired up. I think Draymond's got one more in him right now. I, th- I, th- I think Draymond's got one more in him. And I do believe that the Golden State Warriors finish it off now. We told you that every trend comes to an end. Uh, we talked a lot about Boston being 7-0 straight up in ATS, but I told you that I think the chain will be broken. And now that they've lost, they're going to lose again. Now that they've lost, they're going to lose again. Boston's confidence is shot right now. That's going to be a long-ass plane ride, bro. That's going to be a long-ass plane ride. Like, they didn't just lose. Like, they lost. Like, Golden State didn't win tonight. Boston lost. It's like, if you're Boston, it's like Golden State didn't even play well. And they beat they beat us by double digits. We can't beat them. Whenever things get, like, really real and it gets serious, we always come out on the short end of this. So, in other words, we need to smoke them. Otherwise, we're going to lose the game. If it's a close game in the last five minutes, we're going to lose. And it did, trust me, it's going to be in their head right now. And for whatever reason, they're not even that good when they go back home to Boston. They feel the pressure and stuff. Like, Golden State get out to an early lead, man. That's going to be a weird atmosphere in that building. It was three years ago tonight that the Warriors lost to the Raptors. They're not losing again. They're not going to lose two straight finals. They know how hard it is to get back. This is Sports Rage. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Oh yeah, it's all set. They got the bug boy out. The bug boy. The little fella's been riding his heart out. They're going to break his maiden. Really? It's a little slow out there. Rain last night. Oh, this baby loves the slop. Loves it. Eats it up. Eats the slop. Born the slop. His father was a mutter. His father was a mutter. His mother was a mutter. His mother was a mutter. What did I just say? Late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Arantia. The pitch, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between. The Golden State Warriors, one win away from winning the NBA championship again. Uh, Boston Celtics had their opportunities uh, tonight. They missed their first 12 three-point shots that they took, but then they hit eight in a row. All right, they hit, they hit eight in a row. And they're, they're rolling along. They took the lead. But you got the feeling that, you know, they didn't have a big enough lead. And we kept waiting for Curry, right? You figured out at some point Curry's going to start hitting shots. He really didn't. He really didn't. It was Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins finished with 26 points tonight, 13 rebounds. Of course, he had 16 rebounds 
in game four. He's been absolutely just epic here. Epic run for Andrew Wiggins. And it's amazing if you think about it. And I, I, know, I talked about this earlier in the year when he went to the All-Star game. If you recall... There was only, you know, a few players. Listen, most of the NBA was vaccinated, like an incredibly high amount, like of the NBA, like 99% type thing, right? Like who wasn't? I think Porter and Denver wasn't, but there wasn't a local vaccination rule, so it wasn't a problem for them. Um, they're really, you know, what, um, um, uh, Tybull on, on the Sixers, you know what I mean? There was a couple of dudes. There was a hand, not many. But if you recall, Andrew Wiggins is one of them. And Andrew Wiggins tried it all. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins like said, like uh, at first he just refused. Then he then he busted out the religious purpose thing. And I remember we talked at the time. I said, man, I know a lot of people with no Wiggins. I never heard you talk about God or Allah or anything like like I don't know what he was he basically tried like every angle not to get vaccinated Wiggins and they they rejected his on religious grounds because they were like bro like you're not religious so I don't know like why you're coming at us with this <laughs> like maybe if you were known for being religious for your entire career we'd listen to you on this but you can't just so I remember he was undecided I don't know what I'm going to do because, San, for the record, San Francisco has to say had the same thing as uh, New York. I think there was even a more like he had to get vaccinated. He couldn't, but he couldn't play, right? So, um, they, they're even more hardcore California. So, California has like a lot of rules. Like you know, like if you remember, there's been there were a lot of like COVID uh, tests and stuff with games in California and like local city law and stuff in LA, etc. But anyways, um. So for the state of California, Wiggins, you know, and, and basically if you recall, the Warriors didn't panic, right? The Warriors didn't panic, but they basically said, listen, it's up to you and, you know, we'll, you know, give them a little bit of time here to figure this out. And imagine if he didn't. Imagine, like, if Wiggins didn't get vaccinated. Like, he'd be on the Sacramento. You know, I was going to say Sacramento, but it's California, too. <laughs> That's California, too. He'd be back on the T-Wolves. No, they wouldn't want him back. Uh, I don't know where the hell he would be. The Pacers? I guess, like, the Pacers, I hate to say, the Pacers are kind of like that team now where they just kind of blow. Um, but he wouldn't have been on the Warriors. Like, they wouldn't have had a choice. They would have traded him. Right, like the Warriors weren't going to bite the bullet. He wasn't going to do the, the home game thing, and they essentially said, "Listen, like he knew he, I, he, you will get traded, bro." Right, and not necessarily. You might not be happy with where you end up, and so I think you know he spoke to the players, and I think he noticed that basically I'm the only one on this team that's not vaccinated. So he ended up getting vaccinated. He ends up going to the All Star game. And now, you know what I mean, his career is really set for, you know, if the Golden State Warriors win, he's going to have that moment at the parade and stuff like Kyle Lowry did with the Raptors. You know, like Curry, like basically give the trophy first to Wiggins type of deal after. Seriously, like Clay and Curry have already touched it enough and Draymond and stuff, I would if I was them. Like if we win I, on, on Thursday, I'd be like, bro, he, he, this is you, man. You know, I'd say you you get to pick it up first, Andrew. You pick it up. You hold it over the head. You're going to be in the photo holding the trophy up. Seriously, I think he's earned it. He's not going to get the MVP, right? Because you know it's a Curry. And listen, Curry Curry's going to go off on Thursday. 
Curry was off tonight. I, I give props to people. I said, oh, you guys bet Curry under the other night, and you're wrong. People went back to the under tonight. Congratulations to them. Um, but if you're Boston, like seriously, Curry and Wiggins, like it's one of these games, and this is why with sports and stuff, like, you know, we'll break down the handicap. You got to go with what you feel and stuff. But a lot of the breakdowns, it's the same thing with MMA. You know, the other night, people talking about, you know, Yuri and, uh, and Glover. Oh, Yuri's got to knock him out early, and if it goes later, and you know what I mean? The opposite stuff always happens in real world. I've spoken to fighters a lot. What's the game plan? Not to get punched in the face. Like, once, it, once the fight starts, man, stuff happens, right? And stuff happens and stuff doesn't happen. It's easy to say, oh, this guy's going to do this, or he's going to do that. Yeah, maybe he wanted to do that before he just got kicked in the head, and he can barely see, and he can barely stand. Right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, people overanalyze this stuff, and... I think it's you know very similar, uh, sim- similar with, with 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 basketball as well about this matchup and that matchup. Because honestly, if anybody would have said before the game, if anybody, oh, you know people, oh well, Clay's got to do this and Curry's got to do that. They can't win unless Curry scores forty. People are always proven wrong all the time including myself, like with these narratives. I like to stay away from the narratives, though, because I know they're traps, right? No, Golden State can win without Clay scoring a bunch of points. They did win a bunch of games without him scoring. Evidently, they can win without Curry scoring, right? They just did. But it's, it's amazing to me. It's amazing. When you look at the Golden State Warriors starters, guys, you look at the Golden State Warriors starters. With the exception of Klay Thompson, they were 0 for 19 from three. Like if you, if if I would have told you these numbers before, and you were betting on Boston, you put you would have put five thousand dollars on this game. If I would have told you, yeah, listen, Draymond's going to be 0 for two, Porter's going to be 0 for two, Wiggins going to be 0 for six, Curry's going to be 0 for nine. <laughs> How do you think you're going to do? Um. Steph Curry was 0 for 9 from 3. Wiggins is, we're praising Wiggins. Wiggins was 0 for freaking 6. He was 0 for 6. I don't know if we can, you know what I mean? 0 for, 0 for 6. I, it almost bothers me. We're going to give somebody MVP, even Curry. You were 0 for 9 and you're going to win the MVP? <laughs> right? 0 for 9. So, like, if you're Boston, man, like, if you would have told, like, if you're Boston, you're going to look at this after. You're going to look at the games. You're going to look at the box score. You're going to look at the game sheet on the plane or whatever, and you're going to be like, oh, my God, man. You know, like, you wouldn't even really notice, like, when you're on the floor, they're not going to know all the stats, but they look at this stuff after, and they're going to see, like, oh, my God, you're telling me that nobody hit a three-point shot on the Golden State Warriors starters besides Clay Thompson, who hit five of them? Um, it was a train wreck. It was a train wreck. The Golden State Warriors shot nine for 40. From, they shot 9 for 40 from 3, 22.5%. They only had 9 threes all night. And they only took 15 free throws. And they won the game by double digits. Dude, they took 15 free throws. The Boston Celtics th- took 31 free throws. They hit 21 of them. Like, Boston hit more free throws than Golden State took free throws. They shot 22% from from three, and they won the game. And, oh, yeah, they got out-rebounded. 
the Boston Celtics out-rebounded them. So, in other words, like, listen, if you can't beat them when they shoot, you know, 22% from three, you out-rebound them, you have twice as many free-throw attempts as they do, and you still lose? Tell me what's going to be different on Thursday. I'll tell you what's going to be different on Thursday. The Golden State Warriors aren't going to miss as many three-point shots. We got hit with Curry tonight. We took it. You know, we got uh, we got punched in the mouth by taking his props here tonight. But he's been good to us. Um, I think Curry bounced his back, though. I think Curry will wrap up this series with, with a bow. Uh, by, you know, big game on the road in Boston. Like he, look, when it was all said and done, he finished with 16 points. It was a real, it was a nice collective effort tonight. Last night we talked about needing more from Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole only played 14 minutes. Steve Kerr views Jordan Poole as a massive defensive liability. Like, they, he has a problem. Like, he can't have, like, basically Poole and Curry on the floor at the same time because that's when Boston really starts attacking them in the paint and stuff. And, you have you know, we've seen Poole get beat quite a bit. So, Curry, uh, Curry and Poole, well, lethal, are a defensive liability together. And you notice that Kerr is hesitant to do it. Because you figure, well, look at Poole. Oh, he hit some shots. Yeah, he only played 14 minutes. And there's a reason. Like, Kerr, he wants him in you know, in little spots. But one thing that Poole is amazing at, he did it at Michigan when he beat Houston in the NCAA tournament. We were at Circus Circus that night. Um, he's great at these, like, late in the quarter buzzer beater threes, man. And they're, they're pretty big momentum swings, these shots. He went over his number, man. It was 11 and a half. Give him credit. He scored 14 and 14. But somehow he was only a plus minus plus two. Brent Sobleski. Next. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Anger Management Class. This is Sports Rage. It's the Monday night the meltdown. Sirius XM Channel 159, a muddier 1090 ESPN Radio. Let's bring in a man who loves football, he loves wrestling, and he loves beer. So, in other words, we love him. Brent Sobleski steps up and in for the Bleacher Report. Brent, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. No, thank you for having me as always. And you know what? And you got me getting a little thirsty. It's too early in the evening. Wait, it's not quite five o'clock here, but it will be soon. Yeah, you know what? Um, ah, it's always happy hour somewhere, uh, Brent. That's you know that's that's it's always happy hour uh, somewhere. So uh, listen, we're less than three months away from the start of the National Football League uh, season. First things first, as far as the Cleveland Browns are concerned, I mean, is this the longest that we've gone without somebody suing or accusing Deshaun Watson uh, of uh, something? So. What's going to happen here? What's your opinion? Is Deshaun Watson going to play football this year, in your opinion, for the Cleveland Browns? 
I do believe so, and I think a lot of it dates back to precedent. And not that, that we've ever been in a situation quite like what we've seen with Deshaun Watson, obviously with 24 civil cases against him for sexual misconduct. Furthermore, you had the report uh, with 66 women that he was in contact with over a 17-month period. Now, granted, all of them are not suing, but just to lay the groundwork for potential uh, for what will be used during the course of that those cases. But what I'm looking at is this. When the NFL, unlike Major League Baseball, and we have to have that distinction there because Major League Baseball, when it came to the Trevor Bauer suspension, which essentially broke down to two years, there is specific language in their, in their uh, negotiation between the, the player union and the league. And so the NFL, it does not. It's just an ambiguous con- conduct po- policy. And in this instance, what we have seen dating back to Ben Roethlisberger, when he was in a, a similar situation, albeit never charged or never found guilty uh, in any of those, in either of those instances, got 10 games. Now that was reduced, but initially the NFL levied 10 games. And so when I think when we're looking at it, that's probably the baseline for Deshaun Watson where he's at. And then it really falls down on the NFL and the arbitrator who will hear the case once that punishment is levied that really determine how long he'll be out this year. FanDuel have odds up for the division. The Baltimore Ravens are plus 160 to win the division. The Cincinnati Bengals are plus 200. The Cleveland Browns are plus 270. Now, they took down the win totals, but the Browns are plus 270, so it shows a level of respect that, look, there's only a 70-cent difference uh, between them and the Cincinnati Bengals, and we'll put it this way, the Pittsburgh Steelers are plus 850. I find this division to be very fascinating uh, this year, Brent, with so many question marks. Pittsburgh Steelers, we don't know about the quarterback uh, situation. Cleveland Browns, we don't really fully know about the quarterback uh, situation. Are you surprised? And I guess not surprised, but let me ask you. Are the Baltimore Ravens the team to beat, or are the Cincinnati Bengals not getting enough respect? Is the, the Ravens are the favorites to win the division. I would definitely lean the Bengals because what did they did this offseason, what they should have did last offseason, I bet you can't accomplish everything in one year. But when it comes to Cincinnati, what did we know a year ago? Remember, do you remember those conversations? Believe me, I remember them very well about whether they should take a oh, wide receiver. I was one of them saying, they got to protect Burrow, man. I know Chase is good, but you got to protect Burrow. I was right there. <laughs> exactly. And now we all have pie on our face a little bit, even though we all love Jamar as a prospect. So what you're looking at is you get to build upon what you achieved and when you were ahead of the curve last season. So when they went out and signed three starting offensive linemen, specifically Lyle Collins at right tackle, uh, Alex Kappa at right guard, um, Ted Karras to take over at center, you have solidified your biggest void on your roster. And it shouldn't be as nearly a much of a hindrance protecting Joe Burrow. And if he can stand back in the pocket, his, his ability to consistently work within rhythm, to throw with poise, or to play with poise and throw uh, with accuracy and anticipation as, is as good as I've seen, at least coming out of the collegiate ranks, and he's getting to that point at the NFL level. So knowing what they have at the wide receiver position and how good they are on defense and don't get enough credit there, Cincinnati to me is, even with Deshaun Watson playing a full season, if he wasn't suspended at all, I still would consider the Cincinnati Bengals the best team in the AFC North. 
it's strange that you know I I agree with you, or at least I should. I don't fully understand like the 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 Baltimore that oh yeah Baltimore are you know the clear cut favorites here. And you wrote a capsule about you know storylines for each team uh, with with camps around the corner, and one of the storylines he gets like deja vu all over again, Brent. Whenever we talk about the Baltimore Ravens, is are they good enough at the wide receiver position? And there's always the criticism of Lamar and and the passing attack. Yet time and time and time and time again, they don't exactly give them the best weapons to work with. And I tell you what, it looks a little bare to me coming into this season. What's your take on the wide receiver spot with Baltimore? Well, I, I give there's give and take for me here. Now I understand they traded Marquise Brown, and that was something maybe that caught Lamar Jackson off guard to a degree. Uh, obviously, his response to when it occurred during the draft wasn't the most beneficial for the organization in trying to change the narrative of what they're going to look like at that position. But when it comes to uh, how his development is. It's actually surprising. I went back and looked. Yes, obviously last year the ankle injury slowed him down, and that's something you want to keep. You want to keep Lamar healthy. He was on pace to shatter uh, his attempts for, for the entire season, and that shows how they're slowly evolving this offense. So, if you're going to put more onus on Lamar Jackson in the passing game and not just be a run-first offense using his unique abilities as an athlete behind center, now you need the capabilities on the outside, and instead of adding more to the wide receiver position, they went a different route. Now, to, to qualify that statement, you do already have Rashad Bateman on your roster. Rashad Bateman was a first-round pick just a year ago. He, we didn't get to see him fully because he was injured coming out of training camp in preseason last year. So he will step in as wide receiver one. But they continue to add pieces at tight ends. Those are the guys where Lamar truly thrives, not just Mark Andrews. You have other tight ends now that you can supplement run 12 personnel, even 13 personnel looks, and really take advantage over the middle of the field. And I think that's where they can thrive. We've seen Greg Roman already come out publicly and says, they're tweaking this offense. We don't know exactly what that entails yet and what's going to be new about it, but I do think there are weapons there to capitalize, especially when teams are still geared up to stop that run and stop Lamar from taking off when he's behind center. And they have uh, J.K. Dobbins coming back as well, so I think they look at it like between Bateman and, and Dobbins that it's almost, you know, two players that they haven't really had uh, in the lineup. Now, as far as the Pittsburgh Steelers are concerned, they're the ones with the pedigree. They're the ones that, you know, Tomlin's never had a losing season before, yet here they are um, you know, bringing up the rear here at uh, plus 850. I think this might be a little bit of an overreaction. What's your opinion on the Steelers coming into this year? And is does Tomlin, is, is he looking at his first losing season, in your opinion? Or is it same old, same old, and they just find a way to win football games? I think we're going to be more competitive than people give them credit for. I really do. Because so we look at Pittsburgh. And we, I understand it's a rookie quarterback. And it's, it's kind of hilarious because one of the things I wrote was you can have Kenny Pickett win offensive rookie of the year. And I, th I think that's actually possible because, one, he's a quarterback, and quarterbacks t t have a tendency to win the award. So you do think he's going to win the job? You th is he going to be the starting quarterback in week one, you think? I'll go, I'll, go a step for, I'll go a step farther. I think he should be handed the job day one and not worry about Mitch Trubisky. There's absolutely no reason for Mitch Trubisky to take a snap as a starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You went out and got Kenny Pickett, 20th overall. You believed him, even in a class where everyone else is telling you this was a weak 
quarterback group. No one else selected a quarterback within the first two rounds. You had your eye on Kenny Pitt. He will be 24 years yeah, he's 20, old. He's, he's, exactly, he's not 21. He's not 19 in a project. He's 24. That's a great point. It's exactly. And you've had Kevin Colbert, who obviously is no longer your GM, but the GM that drafted Kenny Pickett state outright that essentially – Last season, working under Mark Whipple in the Pittsburgh Panthers offense was basically like his rookie campaign because of the pro-style concepts within that scheme. So, to me, you're telling me he's going to be your starter. And if he if he can mitigate those you know valleys that you have as, as a rookie quarterback and not make as many mistakes as we tend to see some at that position, this team can be highly competitive because of – what they have at other positions. They are explosive at wide receiver. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. I love the selection of George Pickens in the second round. I think he can turn out and potentially develop into a true wide receiver one for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They went out and revamped their offensive line with Mason Cole and James Daniels, so they're stronger along the offensive interior where they were really weak there a year ago. And let's not forget, this defense is still very good. Now, albeit the Stephon Tewitt retirement, is a monkey wrench into how they uh, how they play overall. But you still have Cameron Hayward. You still have T.J. Watt. You still have players with the in addition like Miles Jack to fly to the football to make plays to be aggressive like we are accustomed to Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So they may still finish last in the AFC North, but that is a team that I wouldn't want to reckon with, particularly towards the end of the season, if and when Kenny Pickett starts and really matures into that role. I have as much confidence in 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 you know I'm I'm getting fired up right now and I'm I'm a Bills fan I'm not even a Steelers fan but I'm getting fired up right now. Listen, their win total is seven and a half. I have that much confidence in Tomlin and and the staff. And let's be real and no disrespect to Ben Roethlisberger, but he was holding them back, right? I mean, you know, as far as the offense is concerned, we'll see if they actually do return to that Steeler football where they want to run the football a little bit more and stick to it a little bit if they do have the younger quarterback uh, in play here uh, right now. But I'm with you as far as the defense is concerned. And listen, I think they're going to be battling for a playoff spot. I think, you know what I mean? I think it's, it's you know, business as usual for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think people are sleeping on him a little bit, to be honest. I'm with you. Well, I'll say this. I don't believe the AFC North is on the level of the AFC West right now because that is a murderer's row when it comes to a division in the NFL. But when you come to the North, there are four quality teams there. And yes, the one team that has been the dominant force for decades, or at least for most of that time, is in a bit of a transition phase. And we can't. We have to acknowledge that. But based on the talent that's still on that team, comparable to what's within the other rosters, I think this is going to be a very difficult division to navigate. And whomever steps out of there will most likely be the team that can really push those teams out of the AFC West West sands what the Buffalo Bills are ultimately going to do in the AFC East. Uh, Brett, we've got about a minute and a half or so here, and you tweeted about this earlier in the day as far as uh, Terry McLaurin is concerned, uh, skipping uh, the, the mandatory uh, minicamp. Is this something here that you, you could see? You could see him playing for another football team? Maybe he just doesn't want to be a part of this train wreck anymore either, right? Not just from a monetary uh, standpoint, but what's your take on McLaurin's situation? I think a lot of it is what's really interesting based on what we're seeing in the NFL now. And I know I'm taking a macro view from a a micro level question, but there's teams have choices to make. There's two ways to go based on what we've seen this off season. One, you can invest invest heavily in what's essentially become the fifth premium position in wide receiver by going and get one of these young elite targets like we saw, you know, obviously with the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles and so on and so forth. 
Or you can acknowledge that each and every year, top wide receiver prospects come in the league. There's, it's the deepest position in every draft class, and you can find a quality player without having to pay in that $20, $25 million range, even $30 million, depending on how well these guys play. play excuse me. And that, with that in mind, Washington seems to be leading in the latter portion and with, philosophically. They went out and got Jahan Dotson, so he could be their number one guy. They don't need to pay him through his rookie contract. I mean, at an elite level. And then you have to wonder where they're at a quarterback. And that's the question mark that people are asking. Why invest 20 to 25 to 30 million in Terry McLaurin if you don't know if you have a quarterback that can get him the ball consistently? So do you cash in and reap the benefits of a windfall both from draft assets and the money you save from the contract? And that's really the question mark that a lot of teams will have to that will have to answer over the next few years as they deal with wide receiver contracts. Excellent insight as always. Uh, follow Brent uh, on Twitter, Brent Sobleski, uh, The Bleacher Report. Brent, always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us tonight. No, you think? Thank you for having me as always. You guys have a good one. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. One continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morenzi. Thanks to Brent Sobleski. Great guest, uh, Brent. Look forward to talking football with him throughout the season from the Bleacher Report. Uh, we'll get back to the NFL a little bit later on. Listen, man, we are 86 days away right now. Seriously, 86 days away, which means, man, we're, we're I don't know, like um, 77 days away or something like that from college football. When's college football start? I think it's August 27th, right? How many days until August uh, 27th? We had uh, Coach Reinbold on the other night. He's with Sky Sports now. He's going to be in uh, Dublin, actually, on that opening Saturday. Northwestern and um, Nebraska. Like, it's, uh, it, it's, it's coming. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's on its way. College football. College football around the corner. All right, so uh, we'll get back to the NFL. Uh, as far as the end, we got Stanley Cup final start on Wednesday. George Kurtz will join us in level two. Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible, SI.com in level three. Uh, as far as the NBA is concerned, as we alluded to earlier, point spread uh, is out uh, for Thursday night's game six. Boston Celtics minus three and a half. Money line minus 162. It's uh, plus 136 on the money line for the Golden State Warriors. Now, listen, the Warriors were plus 148 to win the series in six. Or I should say Warriors Warriors minus one and a half. Warriors minus one and a half games was plus 148. So here we are now, and you're getting plus 136. So it's not that bad. You're only getting 12 cents worse here. And I do believe that the Golden State Warriors will finish off Boston on Thursday night. 
So I like them on the money line. You know, we'll take take the points as well, but I like them on the money line. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win the championship in Boston. It seems improbable, but it happens all the time. Most of these series go six. What happened last year? Phoenix won the first two. Milwaukee won the next four. Once the tide turns, it's hard to uh, turn it back, and the tide is turned. This is Sports Rage. Bring it. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.